time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Listeners, I'm excited to be sharing with you a real special podcast. This one is uniquely special because we're going to get into a story of the importance of having and anchoring yourself on a solid why. Joining me today on the microphone is Michael Powell. Michael, good to have you here, Fred. Hey, David. Thanks. I've been looking forward to this. We met some time back at a at a conference, and I believe it was a TMC conference, the Mortgage Collaborative, so give them a shout out. And it was just one of those relationships we instantly became friends. I want our audience just to get to know you a little bit, so if you could give us a little bit of an overview and your background. I got into business in 1992, and it stuck. We never got out. And I remember when I first got into the business, I was looking at real estate, but I went and talked to a, a really one of our realtors in North Little Rock, Arkansas, Byron McKimmy. And I remember telling him I'd like to get in real estate, but I looked all about 18. I was 23 years old at the time. And yeah. he said, have you thought about mortgage banking? And I had not. I was like, really don't know anything about it, but I had a finance and real estate degree. And I remember my first question to him was, does it pay commission? And he said, I think it does. And that was it right there. I wanted something that I could excel in yeah. and grow. Good. And I was like, wow, this is it. So jumped into the business, uh, started off as a processor. And for all the processors out there and underwriters and ops people, and I'll tell this to any salesperson too, that's where you start. If you can understand that piece of it, you really build a really good foundation. And so I processed for about nine months and then jumped out, started originating I started my own mortgage company in 99. It's called Cornerstone Mortgage in Arkansas, Little Rock, Arkansas. We grew it to the largest independent mortgage banking in Arkansas and held that company until 2012. Made it through the 07 and 08. I made a pivot and decided to go from an independent to a bank. And I have had the opportunity to work with three really great banks over the last almost now 12 years. And currently right now, I've just taken a position with Bank OZK to run their mortgage division. They, they had been in the business and stepped out. So it gives us a really great opportunity to start from ground zero. So we met at a conference and you said, Dave, I'd like to ask you to coach me. I, I could use an executive coach. And that's where we started. I was always impressed. You also love art. You are a gifted artist. You, you could take an iPad and you've done this while we're sitting at a conference or you're sitting and having a conversation. You're looking at me and you're down there like doing something in your iPad. And then in while we've done, had our meeting, you've sketched me. You sketched an image of me. It's amazing. So this is a multi-talented individual, folks. And it's the creative side of the business we want to come back to here, as, especially as it relates to another new venture that you've launched. But the story really starts during the coaching. And there was a particular day you came to me and you said, Dave, I think I'm done with mortgage lending. I can't remember what the circumstances were around that, but you were burned out. And yes, I'll yes. never forget that. Do you remember that day in that event? I do. I, when I came to speak with you, I had on my mind when I walked up to you, I was like, I'll be honest. I'm like, God, is this the person that I'm supposed to come speak with? Honestly felt that 
I, I felt like I was moving in a direction where I knew that God was going to present someone in my life that was going to help me take that next step. What I was looking for at that time, uh, I was wanting to um, launch a software, and we can talk about that in a little bit. But I was really at a, a point where I was like, is this the business I want to be in? I was uh, just burnt out. Um, mm -hmm. I was burnt out of the mortgage. I, I'd lost my passion. And right. that's where we started our conversation. Michael, I remember that day like it was yesterday. You were clearly not feeling good about where you're at in your career. And anytime anyone says they've lost their passion, that means they lost the reason they got into the business. In other words, their why. Anyone who knows me knows I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek and his book, It Starts With Why. So when I hear this, and I love coaching people and getting people back reconnected to their why, their why they got in the business. I think anyone who's listening to this, if you're struggling and you're at this place in your career, I would say you should go back to start where you last had joy and excitement about doing what you're doing. Now, we're in a tough market. Many people are, may feel like they've lost their why. They may have a good why, but they're fighting other circumstances. That's a whole nother thing altogether. But in your case, you lost your why. So I got you back to focusing on why you got in the business. And listeners, this is such a good part of the story and really where the story gets really interesting. When I was growing up, I was probably five years old. And there's times in your life you remember everything about a particular situation. And I remember one afternoon, my parents, we had the 1972 station wagon. I've got a picture of it. It looks every bit of 1970s <laughs> and the paneling, everything. And we get into the, the car, me and my two sisters, mom and dad. Again, I'm about four or five years old. And we lived out in Southwest Little Rock for anyone that knows where that is in Little Rock. And we drove to North Little Rock, Arkansas and took an exit the Lakewood exit. And as we're driving up uh, into this neighborhood, it's all trees and lakes and just beautiful. And I remember just staring out thinking, where are we? And as we pull up to a house, we get out and my parents are like, this is our new home. And I still remember it. I remember stepping out, looking out, had a garage. I, we didn't have a garage. We lived in a small home out south of Slitter Rock. Had a garage, nothing large now, but at the time it looked like a mansion, probably 20, 3,300 square feet four bedrooms, two bath. But the one thing that struck me when we got out, David, it, it was in the fall and the smoke was billowing out of chimneys in this neighborhood. And I had never seen a chimney. I'd never been in a neighborhood like this. And I was just in awe. And uh, we walked into the home and no furniture or anything. And I remember begging my parents to please let me spend the night in this new home. I just fell in love right there with home ownership. Didn't really know what that was at the time, but I just knew this was my home. This yeah. was my place to it, grow it, up. It was a transformative kind of moment, very defining. Well, it really was. And what was so neat about this neighborhood, it was all woods behind us. It was an adventure every day. And I was only like probably two miles up to the neighborhood pool, the arcade. That's where I learned to play Donkey Kong, Pac-Man. Yes. I was a true 80s kid. I was on my skateboard. <laughs> when the sun came up, I was out. When it was coming dark, I was coming home. It true latchkey kid and just loved everything about that. And I watched that neighborhood grow. And I thought, 
this is what I want to do. So that's for the finance real estate degree. Well, I, I tell the story. Yeah. I remember one time when you shared that story, you said you used to love climbing trees. You mentioned trees and you yeah. said that you went out into the backyard and you, if I recall correctly, your dad took you to your room and you didn't have to share a room with one of your sisters. You had your own room. You had your own place. And then your dad said, the best part is in the backyard. Look at these trees. And you started climbing trees in the backyard as soon as the door opened, if I recall correctly. We had tree houses. Since they were building, we didn't think it was stealing. We would just <laughs> went to the homes were being built that had the scrap lumber on the side. And we had tree houses, David, all throughout the back of this property. And these were all the kids that lived there. But yeah. so it, it was just really fun. Really but it really time. anchored you in. You saw how, what an impact home ownership could have on a family. I did. And as I say, at the age, like you just know it's home, it's safe. But as I grew up, I realized, yes, this brings families together, brings communities together. And I just wanted to be a part of that. So that's really helped you direct your career, your studies to go into real estate, your finance and that's real right. estate background. So then you got into the industry, you had a great deal of success in it. You then hit that rough spot. And then I remember when I was coaching you, I said, Michael, I don't want you to quit unless you do five things. I have three to five things. And then you go, what is it? It's actually the same thing. I want you to start going to closings. I want you to go to closings. What I hit my heart was I knew if we could reconnect you with your original passion, it would make a difference and possibly reunite in you the reason you got it in the first place. Because you're a brilliant, creative mortgage banker. And I saw in my mind, this guy's exiting. We're losing one of the best talents out there. This can't happen. And I wanted to stand in front of that from happening. So I asked you to go to some closings. Tell our listeners the story of that first closing you went to. Yeah, I reached out to some of my loan originators and I said, hey, I need to go to some closings. <laughs> I was excited, but at the same time, a little apprehensive because as most people in my position, unfortunately, as you saw, we get separated from the customer. Yeah. I'm sitting there dealing with regulation and Humda and everything else and, and lost sight. So I remember contacting one of my loan officers, Jake, and I said, hey, do you have a closing coming up? And he said, actually, I do this week, love for you to come. I didn't know the full story until I walked into that closing, David. And it was for a, a VA loan, a veteran, and the husband was in a wheelchair. And so he was a disabled vet. I, I don't know the full story on that. Just know that it was a military accident. And here I am in a closing with him. And I sat down and you had asked me to ask, what does this mean to you to be closing on your home? And the gentleman just looked at me. And he said, Michael, we've been working for over a year to be able to get into a home. And Jake's walked through us. We've had some credit issues and he's been able to really get everything together. But he said, I want you to tell you, I feel like a man today. I feel like a father. I've got two daughters. And at that point, I was like, oh, my goodness, what have we done here? This isn't and we all know this, but it's not just about getting a home. He, he is now the man of the house. He is the father, the thing that he couldn't think he could do. And us working together, he had that. And so that really lit a fire under me again. It was like, wow, this is why we do what we do. And it really took me back to being that five-year-old kid and thinking about his two daughters now, they were going to have a home. It was wonderful. 
I really love that story. And there's many aspects about that story that I think we can just spend a moment on. First of all, you took the time to reconnect with the customer. You're right. You said earlier that we get removed from the customer when we're in management. So anyone in management listening to this, go out and attend the closings. Connect with the people that you're doing all of this for. And I loved the book Nuts. It was really a story about Southwest Airlines and Herb Kelleher. He would go out and spend more time on the line working in the ticket counter, working in the baggage claim, working in the reservation center. He stayed connected to the customer, which was what this was all about, their why. And it's a great part of the story. So anyone listening to this, do what Michael did. What I encourage Michael to do and what he actually did. One thing is to encourage somebody to do it. Another thing is to actually do it. You did it, Michael. And, and look what it did. Like you said, it reignited a fire in you. That is so exciting. Listeners, think about it this way. When our why or our purpose becomes greater than ourselves or the pain we're going through, it transforms us and it gets us in a better place so that we have a better chance of succeeding no matter what the circumstances are around us. I like Gary Keller's book, The One Thing. Many times people ask me, Dave, what do you do in consulting? You consult the mortgage lenders. What do you do? I said, I've been an owner of three mortgage banking companies. I have been in the industry for 50 years. You know, what can't I do? What don't I do? I've touched every aspect of the industry. But really what it comes down to, the number one thing I'm getting people to do is reconnect with their purpose. And when I can help someone reconnect to their purpose and get them back into the game, then we can start talking more about the, the skill sets and their activities, which will make them successful. So I'm helping people on their mindset, reset their heart into why they're doing it. And then we can work on the skill sets and the way they're going about it, which are the activities. And I love what I do because of this. And Michael, as much as I love that part of your story, that is not all of your story because there was a transition happening. And I think this is another thing. So when someone loses their passion, they lose their why. The, you, know, you rediscovered it, got your your fire back on that. You're, so you're still involved in mortgage lending, but we also awakened a new why, a new passion inside of you. You started talking about a vision you had. And so let's start talking about the birth of cahoots. Your technology company. Yeah, talking about cre creativity. In this industry that we're in, there's just so many issues and challenges. And I had tried to solve a lot of those through an Excel spreadsheet at one point. And it basically was rules engines. And this was when I owned my own company um, in Cornerstone. I didn't know quite how to put it together, but I knew the industry was missing a software that would allow lenders to come together. And that's why it's called Cahoots. We can yeah. all come into Cahoots. I wanted us to work together to solve the challenges of our industry. So many of us in this industry try to solve the challenges individually and uh, almost make it as a competition that I'm going to be at better regulation than you are. My company is going to, we're going to make it through this. And, and you probably, possibly my competitors will fail because they won't understand the regulations. That goes back to the why. I didn't get into this business to be great at regulation. Mm. I didn't get in this business to be an expert at Humda, though you have to become that. Yes. But that wasn't my why. What I wanted to do was free myself back up again to be able to go work with customers to have the, to be why I was in the business. So creating cahoots and working together 
allows us to create rules together in a community and to be able to create a manufacturing process for the mortgage loan from the point you take an application to the point you close. And what it frees up is it frees up the death by a thousand cuts. It takes all the mental gymnastics out of this business. I've had ops managers that are so stressed out, David. And I had a vision at one point that cahoots, I would take it into a mortgage banker and I would find that operations person and I would show them how it works. And once they use it, they would look at me with tears in their eyes. You do not know how much this has helped me. And so I think that is cahoots. That is something that I want to be able to bring our community of lenders together. There'll be some that say, you know what? We've got it. We don't want to partner or collaborate. We want to do this on our own. And there's some out there that's acceptable. That's perfectly fine. But there's others that are going to say, you know what? I would love to come together with other lenders and we solve this one time. Yeah, We do it together. And I think there's a huge opportunity and Cahoots is the platform that I believe that's going to allow lenders to come together and solve a lot of the challenges that we feel like are impossible to solve and do it. Not only solve it and work together, but increase efficiencies. And we know right now we have to get more efficient. It's the costs are too high. And Cahoots, I know, will drive that cost down, but it'll also hopefully free up the mind, free up our lenders to be able to really go back and focus on, again, the why are we in this business? And I promise you, there may be somebody on here that says, I got into it because I love Humda and I love regulations. <laughs> there, there's some out there, thank God they're in the business because we need them. But I yep. really want to have this, to be able to solve a solution for the entire community. And I'm thinking of Kathy, you say some out there that love regulation. I'm (laughs) thinking of Kathy Thomas and Kathy's just one of those people that just loves rolling up her sleeves and diving into that stuff. But your why was coming together to solve a problem, coming together and bringing a community of lenders sharing a similar problem, how to deal with Humba, dealing how with a number of other regulations. So that is the concept behind cahoots. Again, let's all get in cahoots together and solve this problem. I love the concept. What other things are you solving with cahoots? It's grown. You've been working on this for years and now you're finally getting it out. And what's so good about this, you paid for this out of your pocket. You've done real well financially with being in the mortgage business, but you have paid for this out of your pocket. And this is your creation. I love Mm -hmm. that. So talk about your creation. What does it all solve? It really, again, starts from the point of loan application. I know a lot of lenders have a disclosure desk. Let's just dive into that. How do you eliminate a disclosure that most people go, you can't sure. do that. We're not going to turn that over the LOs because they're good at sales, not necessarily good at details. Who's going to do well, it? I'll give a, I'll, I'll dive in. If I go too deep, pull yeah. me back. Yep. And of course, Cahoots does have a, an API interface right now, right now it's solely with the Encompass. And so when our loan officers open up their borrower file, there is a cute little Cahoots logo yeah. in the, the borrower file. I'm an artist. So I wanted to make sure that when people were interacting with my software, it didn't seem cold. It didn't seem like an accountant or a lawyer wrote this. I remember one time telling you, I want people when they click on it, when they look at a beautiful painting, there's something there that touches them. And I wanted Cahoots to be that. So they click Cahoots logo. And at that point, it runs right now, we've got 
close to 500 rules. And as those rules run, it takes about 12 seconds. An execution summary page shows up um, in their web browser. And so you can have a compass open and now you've got cahoots. And it simply tells you right at the stage, loan application is gonna tell you if there's items that need to be corrected as you click on it. It displays what you need to do. And I will say this, it's not like a lot of other engines that loan officers use that hate, and I'm not going to throw names out, but I think you know who these are when I say there are rules engines that we run in the industry. And you know, once the results are run, nobody can understand them. They're too complicated and they load them in the file. That's so you know, true. So true. With Cahoots, it was designed to be user-friendly. I've had loan officers tell me, you, you think, oh, this is just another step. But what they have come back and said is this is brilliant. This is, it, it's cut down on the time. I don't worry about the little items that I used to worry about. I just go, typically, I just go hit cahoots immediately and it just tells me anything that I need to, to do. And so it just creates this workflow. And uh, so that workflow basically starts from application all the way to post-closing. And that's the basic process of it. And the creating the rules are super easy. I could teach anyone within a day how to write 80% of all the rules you'll ever need. 80% is the hand of 80-20. Other 20%, yes, they can get complicated. We can work with you on those. But if I can show you in a day how to do 80%. This is so important to have yeah. tools that limit. And the concept of collaboratively doing that in cahoots with other lenders is just brilliant. How do you integrate all these? And how do you manage those so that it's where it flows and yet it's still yours? So- when we write the rule is we bring a lender on, we'll have over 500 rules that they can review. That's what the other lenders have contributed to. That's right. That's right. So every time we bring a lender on, that base set's going to grow. And uh, a lot of the lenders, the, the first reaction was everybody does it a little bit differently. So all these rules can't apply. You would be shocked to find out that 80% of all the rules, yes, they're going to work just for you. They're industry standard. We told ourselves that we all do it a little bit differently. Not so true. Maybe you need to remap a field or things like this. But the way Coots is set up is when you, you write a rule, it's so easy to share with the community. You just go up, click it, share with community, and it puts it in everybody's inbox. It, it explains basically what the rule is. We've got a uh, Cahoots blog where we can share those rules out to the whole community from the Cahoots standpoint also. And so you've got the ability to share individually with uh, other lenders or with, with the group. I'll give you an example of you know a rule, FHA. On an FHA loan, if you have a non-occupant co-borrower and they yep. close on that loan, but they decide at last minute to close with the power of attorney, that loan's uninsurable. You own now an FHA loan. Congratulations. And so how many lenders out here either don't know that because they haven't been burned. Once you're burned, then you're like, oh my God. <laughs> now, this is the most frustrating thing in this business is you get burned and you're like, this will never happen again. And then six months later, this happens again. <laughs> Because you cannot control it. And so with Cahoots, we have the ability to control that. And it's just with some basic, simple rules that basically fire at different points. What most people that are in Encompass would know this as milestones. But we'll ensure it funding at that point. If it's a non-occupant co-borrower and there's a power of attorney and it's FHA loan, it's going to have a, a statement there for that funder to complete. And if they say power of attorney, boom, st you're stopping. And so these are what I say, there's no rule here that's just rocket science. 
But when you start putting 500 rules together, my goodness, how powerful Power, does something get? Powerful on that, yeah. And as we continue to grow, when I'm excited about David, and I hope we have listeners out listening, is I'm looking for those that want to collaborate together, that yeah. understand that they have some great ideas that they would like to bring to the table. Because I believe this is we have 10, 20, 30 lenders working together. There's not one mortgage lender. I don't care if it's the largest mortgage lender in the country. They will never, ever beat lenders that are working together. Yeah. That's so true. And that's the whole concept of working in cahoots yeah. with the other, that collaborative nature when it, it's a powerful form. And what's so beautiful about that is we're all trying to interpret these rules. And of course, our federal government or many of the regulators don't exactly publish it in a way that is a real bright line here. And that's why it takes, I want to see how others are looking at the various interpretations, the way other lenders interpret yeah. it. So there's so many powerful aspects about this. Michael, when you're talking with someone and I do a lot of consulting and coaching on the area where people are struggling with their why, because these are difficult times right now. What would you say to them? I would look at why you first got into the business. And there may be that story like I had that kind of just immediately came to mind. I would challenge some people that are in the business. I think you really need to look at it. And over the last few years, it's been a great economic business. Um, people have made yeah. really good money. And unfortunately, that became some people's why. why I, I make really great money at this and I can support my family and do great things. But we all know and <laughs> that money is that's not going to hit your why it can do it for a little not bit. Gonna, so it's really, not a sustainable why. Yeah. It may be someone's why, but it's not a sustainable why. It's not sustainable. And so I would ask, they need to really dig deep in to say, this is what really drives me. So maybe this is it. What is it in life that if you were to die, that you would be so upset and regretful that you did not complete? There you and go. How does that apply to what you're doing right now? Yeah. For me, I wanted to provide this industry a solution and that was through cahoots. And I knew it was going to be extremely difficult. What's so crazy, David, is you're the only person I came to really that I said, this is what I wanted to do. And you're like, let's do it. And I'm like, oh, that scared me because I'm like, everyone else is telling me, oh, you probably don't want to do it. You'll never get it into a $30 billion bank. You're all these questions. You're never going to get past their IT security. People would ask me, how do you know, do you program? I said, I have no idea how to program. I had no answers. I remember coming to you and you're like, let's do this. You can do it. And to me, I was so scared and fearful that if I didn't do it, there, there was more regret than if I chose to do it and failed. And yeah. so I think that'll really drive your passion too. For those out there, sometimes the fear is holding you back. What is holding you back? And dive into it. And so there are going to be some in this industry that will go through this exercise and realize this isn't my why. I, my why is something else. And that's okay. This is a great reset for a lot of people. But there are yes. plenty of people in this industry that have been doing it for years. And there is that passion. There is that why. And I'll be honest, David, you helped me pull that out of me. And some of the great things that have happened since then. We could go on and on. There's so many wonderful yeah. stories. I remember one time when you came to me and I said, you, and I, it was just almost like one of those prophetic moments where you asked talking to you. And I said, if you keep going at this and you have rediscovered your why someone's going to recognize that and is going to double your salary. And I threw out oh a amount. Remember that conversation? Oh, uh, I said, within a year, you will have yeah. a 
job, it'll double your salary because you have rediscovered yep. this and you're, you have a new reason, a new passion. Someone's going to see that. And, and I, I remember that came out of my mouth and yeah. going, oh my gosh, what in the world did I just say? Oh, no, you did. And it wasn't probably six months later. I'll tell you to the listeners, we worked together tightly. If you had me reading several books and through that process, that was, yeah, as we, as I came back to, I think I had a, a clearer vision as to what I wanted to accomplish. Part of it was with right. cahoots and, and part of it was with some of the things that I wanted to do for a bank as far as redeveloping their mortgage division. And yeah, we had that conversation and you said, Michael, this is what I see. And I believe that someone's going to come and offer X amount. And I remember when that happened and it was to the dollar. I know people are like, there's no way it was to the dollar. I called you and told you, and I think you were like, oh, wow. I remember saying that. And I was like, wow, I don't know in the back of my head that would happen, but it did. I believed in you. Whoever's listening to this, get yourself a coach, find someone who will believe in you. First of all, recognize what your passions are. What is your strengths? We use a number of different tools and tests. We talked about the Simon, we talked about Simon Sinek. That's one of my things we discovered, but I also work with Patrick Lencioni and I love what he's doing with six working geniuses. I think we need to look at what our gifts and talents are God-given gifts and how we're designed. And when we work in concert with, in alignment with our original design, which you're now doing. It just opens up a life of joy and fulfillment. And when you have that in your life, you can go through these kind of markets. It doesn't make it any easier per se. The battle is the battle, but you have an anchoring, a true North compass setting that'll give you a real sense of purpose. That'll carry you through the difficult times, such as the markets we're in now and give you the right mindset. I think it's so much of this, what we're talking about right now is mindset. And then once you have the right mindset, then you can start examining, are we doing the right things? This, do I have the right skills? Do I need to adjust my skill set? And then once you have that set, then you can examine the activities Now we consulted all of those areas, but man, when you do that, you're setting yourself up for success. It, it'll be such a transformative thing. And that's what happened to you. I agree. There's a book I want to throw out too. I can't remember if you'd introduced it to me, but it definitely go, working with you opened up a lot of other uh, books okay. that I've read. And one is flow and it's, oh yeah, meat yes. pie never get the last name right. Chick Zinmiki. I know I have that wrong, but look up anyone that's listening to me high and flow. But one of the things I love within that book is it talks about boredom and one extreme in life is boredom and the other extreme is anxiety. Mm-hmm. And happiness falls in between boredom and stressed out anxiety. And the way you move, you want to constantly be moving to that anxiety and that stress. And how do you become happy in that? You create new skill sets. And David, that's what you were to help me with moving through that. When I say burnout, I was bored to death when I'm a creative person and I just lost that drive. And through that, you gave me skills. And through that, I was able to push a little further than I was. And you know what? Anxiety is not, I don't know anyone here that maybe snow skis. When you start off on the bunny slope, that's enough anxiety, right? If you've never skied. And then you go to the green. And then that's not enough. And you go to the blue. And sometimes we just settle for the blue. That's acceptable. And then some of us will push to the black. But the only way you get there is you're getting, you're building that skill set. Yes. And that's what a coach is going to do for you. 
It's going to help you take your skill set to that next level. Barry Thomas, a great, incredible master painter in Little Rock, Arkansas. And there's my coach for my art. David, I look at you in life here within the mortgage center and what I've accomplished. You're my coach. And again, helping me create the vision and that skill set to continue to move forward. It's been a joy to work with you. I'm, it's developed into a wonderful friendship. Listeners, if you're struggling to rediscover your why, find someone to help you rediscover that. I'd be happy to have a call and conversation with you about that. I think if you could just look down yourself and inside yourself and ask yourself, what is it? And there is something that'll start sparking. There's some ember in there. If you're not just totally cooked and fried, even in those moments, we've resurrected out of people that just looked like they were nearly dead, that ember that's still glowing in there that we need to just fan that flame a little bit. With Michael, it was going to that first closing. I'll never forget when you went to that first closing and you went out to your car and you, that's what I love about you. You're an emotional guy. You were crying. You were just saying, look it, I found my why. Let me tell you the story. And it was what you did for that veteran and his family. It brought you back to your roots. It brought you back to your beginning. And from that point on, it's, you're just going at it harder than ever. And I'm so thrilled to, to be in relationship with you, Michael. Thanks so much for coming on, sharing the story. How can people learn more about Cahoots? They can go to www.cahotz.info and they can gain some information there. They can also reach out to me at Michael P for Michael Powell, Michael P at cahoots.info. And it's my passion. Anyone listening that would you know like to talk about it, I'm not a salesperson. I'm not going to sell you on it. I'm just going to tell you about it. And if we have, if that's something that you think that would work for you guys, I would love to discuss it. And I'll make this promise to any lender out there. I'm here to solve what I believe is a problem in the industry. And we've got to get away from these large corporations that are coming in and just nickel and diming every possible profit out of uh, um, our business. There's only so many basis points. And I get it. I mean, if I can't bring value to you that Coots will pay for itself, then, you know, we'll, we'll we'll walk away. But that, that's my commitment to everyone. But yeah, the website or email. And David, it was a fantastic time. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks for sharing your story, friend. Listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If you have, share it with others. I'd love to talk with them. Love to get a conversation going with you or your team. We're here to help you. We're here to be there for you. Rediscover your why. Get your passion back and get the right mindset get the right skill set going, and then make sure you're doing the right activities. And if you do those things, you will be successful regardless of what the market conditions are. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.